feel like I'm forgetting something. Let me pull up this document. <laughs> <laughs> Let me not talk about my ass. But also, it's like if I am forgetting something, <laughs> like the way this show be going, it's just like, uh, all right, three, two, one. Welcome to another episode of Bitches Love Sports. I'm Bitch Two. I'm Bitch One. Um, and we do have show notes today, yes, so do. that's exciting. <laughs> I feel like I might have just erased half of them <laughs> when I dropped my phone just now. And I read them all, and the articles, so okay. Yeah, you might have read more of the articles than I did. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we're going to hop right into it. So shout-outs and call-outs. I think the whole show might be shout-outs and call-outs. But anyway. It's a, it's a good, it's a good, yeah, I, yeah. I like it. Let's run with it. Shout outs and call outs. Hey. <laughs> First shout out goes to the Los Angeles Rams from winning the Super Bowl, especially OBJ. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I was so sad. I, him getting hurt, yes. that was really sad. I'm so excited that he's getting a ring, though. Me too. I'm, oh, me I'm too. so happy that he scored that first touchdown. Oh, me too. <laughs> And and not only for like outside critics, but also just like I feel like as an athlete, had he not like scored points, he would he would have still felt yes. away. Like like oh, I'm getting a ring, but I didn't but really I didn't get do, to contribute. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I'm glad he scored that touchdown. Me too. Um, I hope he's not afraid to ever play the Bengals again. <laughs> I'm kind of afraid for him to ever play the Bengals again. It's like every time you play I mean- the Bengals. Up your knee. I know, like, <laughs> but like he was like was a non-contact though. Like it just exactly it was so weird. It was weird, but like we yeah, like you said. Well, it I mean, too. what that suggests is that there was already a something problem. going on. Yeah, yeah. like Im- at at minimum, like improper engagement or something. Yeah, but also I don't know what kind of ground they were on. Also, oh. so I don't know, but I I just know like. That that can be a very jarring thing for an oh, athlete. For sure. Like, oh, assuming sure. he re-injured himself, I don't think I've read anything as far as like the nature of his injury. Like, I have hadn't you? seen anything. I hadn't seen anything. Hold on, let me see if anything's out. Yeah, because any as... yeah any of the news that I've seen, I hadn't. They're all pretty much have been the other player that had the kid three hours after they won the Super Bowl. Oh. Can't yeah, congrats to that guy. And and OBJ has a kid on the way. That was really cute. Oh, yeah, when he was and, kissing the baby. Yeah. That was adorable. That was adorable. That was adorable. Um, okay, I'm not seeing anything about his injury so far. I do see this article, Super Bowl 2022. Odell Beckham Jr.'s injury causes NFL stars to advocate for banning turf field in stadiums. Oh, so that's, bro, that, that I don't know. That'll be interesting because it's, it's like, you hear about the turf monster. You don't ever hear about the grass monster or the dirt monster. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You don't even hear about the snow monster. But what do we hear about that fucks players up? Yeah. We hear about the turf monster, you know? Yeah. And from what I understand, it's also similar to, like, you know how, like, we play on different surfaces? Oh, yeah. And, like, the wheels can be different? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So from what I understand, it's a lot like that, too, which is, like, we're used to it. Like, you know, we'll change our wheels. But yeah. it's just, like, even then, if you have on the wrong wheels, you can fuck yourself up. Oh, you know, and so it's like you don't want to be in the middle of the game and realize that your cleats and this turf don't get along. Right, well. <laughs> right, right, right. That's why I always struggle with like a shitload of different sets of wheels because when I broke my ankle, it was because the the surface my wheels were too soft for the surface, so it yeah. got stuck, and bah! And ever since then, like I need some 
slide just for my own mental exactly. like i i know i can do it anyways but i need that you know yeah so, i was yeah, actually I talking it. to to john about working on my cardio and he was like telling me a distance to skate and i was like oh yeah i gotta put that in terms of on the track and he's like well if you go to like a regular track like one lap is a quarter mile and I was like, I can't skate on a regular track. And he's like, why not? It's made out of rubber. And I'm like, exactly. That's a <laughs> problem. Like, what? Sorry, John. <laughs> like, no. Bless your heart. I'm like, there's a reason why, like, prefer skates there. polished concrete. Polished <laughs> concrete. <laughs> Nobody's skating on rubber. Yeah, great to run. <laughs> you know, the impact up. and everything is great for running, but for skating, geez. Yeah, so I'm not saying anything specific about his knee injury. Um, well, I do see one thing that says um, Odell Beckham Jr. tore ACL again. Ooh, 2022 in question. And and I do remember pe- some people saying that he came back too soon. But honestly, I'm not going to focus on that until, you know, we hear more about it. But what I will say is that, like, he just went through such a range of emotions during that game. Because before the injury, I was watching him. You know how we watch body language. And before the injury, I was looking at him, and you could see how excited he was to oh, be playing yeah. in that game. Oh, yeah. You could tell that he was, like, really feeling it as far as his performance. And I almost tweeted it, but it's like I was doing some other stuff while I was watching the game. I almost tweeted it, like, like it feels so good to see him this happy. Yeah. Like, like, like everything the, that he the did. The dance with the touchdown and everything. It yes. was so cute. Like, you could just see the happiness. And yeah. I'm just like, yes, I wanted this for him so much. And then the injury happened. And, you know, anytime you get injured – as an athlete, especially in a big game, like the first thing that happens is fear. You know, oh, there's sure. a fear. Then there's this, the disappointment. And then when your team starts losing, then comes the guilt. <laughs> because it's like, you be feeling like, even if shit happens, it's not even your fault. You know, the defense could be out there and fuck up. And you yeah. just be feeling like, if I didn't get hurt, <laughs> this wouldn't happen, uh-huh. you know? Yeah. And, I, and I was just sitting there watching him, especially like, because they were losing for a good chunk of the game. Oh, yeah. And I was just like, oh my God, I hope it's not. Over. I hope he's not feeling guilty. I hope he's not beating himself up, you know, but, you know, and then like when, when they won and did you see the video of his, his tears? Oh my God. He was was bawling. He was bawling. Like his face looked like the screen mask. Like the horror movie. That's, that's what he looked like. Like, you know, like, like tears. And it's just like, my heart was just like, oh my God. I can only imagine all the things that he's experiencing right now, you know? Yeah. So you know, once again, I say this all the time, but you know, they be saying like men are not emotional. No, they Ooh. are. <laughs> they are. Listen, <laughs> honestly, very emotional. Like most of them, like you know, even I'm gonna dare to say that they're more emotional than women. N- not in a way that they're like more emotional, but they don't know how to control their emotions. Yeah, I think they don't know how to exp- blame them and yeah. i think they tend to not use their emotions to make decisions as much correct i agree um but yeah like as far as like the ex- experience of ranges of emotions yeah. it's like you saw it right there yeah. like obj he was probably exhausted <laughs> yeah. after that game even though he didn't play for most of it just yeah. because like everything that he went through yeah he probably that can a, be me on my sleep. first day of my period <laughs> all those emotions <laughs> Once a month, bitch. Like <laughs> it's no once in a lifetime. It's like once a month. Yeah, but like major props to the Rams for figuring out yeah. like just how 
how to pull off the win when it just didn't and feel the like they were going to hurt too. They had to take this ankle, like yeah. And then it's like, and and one thing that I really appreciate about how they won was the fact that you know it really came down to them using their best guys. Sometimes we yeah. see teams try to like outsmart the game. Yeah. Like, oh, they think we're gonna go to this guy. We're gonna go to this other dude that they never that they've never heard of. Yeah. Or we're gonna run this play that they would never expect us to run. And it's like nobody expects you to run that play because it's ridiculous to do that in this game situation. <laughs> you know, and so and teams end up shooting themselves in the foot. Still love you, Cowboys. Team, teams end up shooting themselves in the foot by trying to outsmart the game and trying to do something above what makes sense at a most basic level. And they were like, you know what? We know everybody in the world knows that Cooper Cup is about to get this ball. Yeah, right. I mean, come but on, bro. <laughs> Cooper Cup is getting this ball, you know? And he was brilliant enough to pull it out, yeah, you know? And I think... Yeah. Um, it was a good player. After, was- after after the game, they said that the route that he ran wasn't even one of his normal routes. So that might be why they kind of like why he kind of they, outsmarted they the was, defense yeah, in a way. Yeah. Because it's like if you watch film and it's like you've never seen a guy do this thing, you might second guess yourself. Like, right. no, he's not about to, you know, you know, do you know, run towards the back pylon. Like he doesn't yeah. do that. Yeah. Um, but they said that it was a route normally run by OBJ. So in a way, Aww. OBJ did kind of contribute because you know it's like it's kind of like I always That's tell cute. like our practice squad members that it's like you know it's your job to prepare the team right. even if you're not playing in the game. Right. And so it's like you know the QB and everybody else knew what to do because right. OBJ has done that before. Right. But you know somebody else in his place. So yeah. it still all worked out. I know. Still all worked out. So I'm really happy that they did that. I hope some other teams who have questioned whether or not it makes sense to give your best players the ball um we'll we'll take note and see like yes even if everybody everybody playing everybody in the stadium and everybody watching plus the announcers know who's going to get the ball you can still set something up to where those people can can get the ball i'm just the the it's it's funny you say that because flint mentioned the same thing like like they're using their guys they're mm-hmm. actually everybody is playing. It's not like running the same thing for eternity and like, you know, it's like the definition of insanity. Like, you know, do the same thing and expect different results. That's what that's what the last Cowboys game was about. Like they did the same shit, not working, instead of using their best players. <laughs> right. So kudos to uh, to the Rams. I'm I'm happy for y'all. I'm very happy yeah. for y'all. It was Some, a great game. Very interesting. Sometimes very fun. the difference between like a, the champion of a sport and somebody who doesn't make it out of the first round of the playoffs can be as simple as just what what are you doing to instill the fundamentals? Like right. how how deeply ingrained is the identity of your team? Right. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's not that like oh they have so many good players. Sometimes it really does come into like mentality. Team culture, trust, trust. Yes, yes, yes. yes. You know, that's the biggest thing for me in any team that I've been a part of. Is if you don't trust your team, you're not going anywhere. Period. Right. And doesn't matter. I I don't want to make this about the Cowboys, but yes, yes. No, yeah, yeah. I was was about to make a comment about something related to trust. I said earlier in the season about them. Oh, now, but we can talk about trust when it comes to the Bengals because if I were Joe Burrow, I wouldn't really be trusting my offensive line right now. Um, You know, I'm I'm kind of concerned for him in his future. He seems to be a very gifted young player. 
However, <laughs> it, like his, how you feeling, Joe? Joe B. Like you feel he's in pain, emotional and physical. We know. Did you see him when he fell on the ground? I didn't even know how he came back to the field after that. We were both like, oh, fuck. I mean, adrenaline, he's young, he's bouncing back, but he's not going to be able to do that shit forever. No, no. I was was legit, I was worried about him coming back like that because that did not look good at all. (laughs) And supposedly they have 40 plus million dollars of cap space. All of it needs to go to the O-line. Figure it out. (laughs) And they still, he still got sacked like, 30 some times or whatever this season? Well, I mean, they, I guess they didn't really just have the time or capacity to do something about it this season, but I'm saying for next season. Well, you better get your shit together. He needs to be better protected. Yes, yes, get it together. He needs to be better protected. Now, I I still don't want to see them win a Super Bowl next season either. (laughs) I'm hoping, I'm hoping the Cowboys will get their shit together and finally get a ring. And I want to see all the pieces come together. I want to see Mike McCarthy learn clock management. I want Kellen Moore to learn how to use his best players. I want Jerry Dome to put Jimmy Johnson in the ring of honor. All of it. (laughs) So, so sorry in advance, Joe. (laughs) <laughs> not your not your year yet just give us I, give us yeah. a, give us a few <laughs> more, still some people a few more want, years want okay you're still young yeah yeah you you're just you just made it to the, you just got in the yeah. league you're still wet behind me <laughs> but <laughs> if they don't protect him better next season might be his last chance oh. and we're like you need coming back for another year like no i ain't got no knees left what <laughs> Oh my goodness. Joey. Oh, Joey. So hopefully the Bengals get it together. Um, so we do have some other shout outs and call outs, but before we get to that, we're gonna shout ourselves out for the creation of the BLS community. Woo-hoo! So um the BLS community is an online social media group that is basically um made by bitches who love sports for bitches who love sports. Hey! <laughs> So not that we don't love the guys. For but, us, by us. Yeah, for us, by us, and, and people like us. Um, you know, we, we love guys. We got a lot of love for the dudes. However, we've gotten a lot of feedback from listeners about how they appreciate hearing about sports in a way that doesn't involve mansplaining and whatnot. So for right now, the BLS community will be open to people whose pronouns are uh, she, her, they, and them mm-hmm. only. So, So that's going to be that. What are you excited about with the community? I'm just excited about everything. Um, um, you know, like, like, and we've said this before, like, it's hard. If you're just getting into watching sports, like, I watched sports before, but it's different for American sports because you'll have mm-hmm. a fuck ton of sports. And and it's it's hard to, like, get the schedule and the teams that you want to follow and the teams that you want to watch and, like, you know, the time, the time zones. Like, it's it's so much. Like, it's, it's if you go to the BLS page, it's going to be just there. So, you know, yeah. the teams and the players that we follow, all the schedule and everything is going to be there. So it's going to be a lot easier for you to just go and be like, oh, okay, well, Tuesday at 7, you know, I'm going to be watching the Spurs or the Suns or whatever. Yeah. And so anything that we're going to be watching and live tweeting is going to be posted in there. And also some of the feedback that we got from listeners was like, oh, could y'all make a podcast where you actually like teach us how to watch football? And so while that would be tough, you know, what we do plan on doing is a bit of education in the group. 
So if you've ever heard us talking about a particular sport and you're like, man, I wish I knew more about how to watch the sport or I wish I knew what they were talking about. Um, we're going to talk in the group. We're going to give people the opportunity to submit questions and answer questions. I'm going to be getting more into fantasy football next season so we can learn a lot more about all of that together. Um, we should make a team. We should get into it. Yeah, yeah. We should totally get like into it, into it. So, yeah. If you, <laughs> it's my first season watching football, and I'm really excited about it. I'm like sad that it's over. <laughs> Are you really? Yes. I just wanted to watch more football. I, I, I'm legit. Like also, like I'm sort of angry at myself that I got so into it. Like hmm. the rules, the strategy, the the like. Now I'm watching for other shit that I was just like, oh, this is just a fucking pile of people. Like <laughs> you know, like I don't know. Like I'm I'm very surprised. Once I'm, you I'm get shocked. attached to a team or even certain players, like it is easy to get into it because yeah. then it's like you know everything that happens. You're like, wait, 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 wait. Make it make sense. Right, like, right, 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 you know, right. Why right. is my dude not getting the ball? Why did he get that penalty? Why are you finding him? Yeah. Like, seriously, you finding him for that? Um, <laughs> now I say, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. When they're about to I'm like, there's no need for that, man. Like, what? So if you love talking about sports, even if you don't know a ton about it, this yeah. is going to be a great group for you. Um, even if you started pack. Yeah. <laughs> even if you just like talking shit with us, like, yeah. Welcome. Cool. Welcome, Welcome. to the group. Yes. All right. So moving and on. And the merch, because the merch yeah. is good. Yeah. It's and we're going to have merch. So if you want to be the first person to hear about our merch, and all the awesome discounts and stuff that we're going to have for the first people in the group. Yes. Join the group. Um, I'm trying to think. I'm going to put the link in the description of this episode. And yeah. also, if you follow us on social media, we're going to be sharing yeah. the link. So, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So, yeah. You'll you'll have opportunities. If you're watching or listening on Spotify, click on the link. It'll take you straight to it. Yeah. So, um, speaking of, like, what we want to see next season or what we want to do next season involving the NFL... So there was this article that came out that I just wanted to run through real quick. Okay. <laughs> Hold on, let me find it. Did I lose it? I hope not. It's an OBJ article. I think it was in, maybe it was in that ESPN app and not on Google. Okay, here it is. Okay, so speaking of seeing, um, speaking of what we want to see next year with the NFL, there was this article that came out. Um, it was in the ESPN app, and it's an article uh, written by Kevin Seifert, who is one of their more popular staff writers. And the title of it is NFL Offseason Priorities for 2022, Key Dates, Quarterback Dominoes, Potential Rule Changes, Rooney Rule Revisions, and more. So, um, one of the first things that comes up in this article is uh, that um, there are some new members on the competition committee. So it's a 10-person committee, and the new members are going to be Katie Blackburn, who is a Cincinnati Bengals executive vice president, Chris Greer, the Miami Dolphins general manager, uh, Frank Reich, or Reach, I'm not sure, Indianapolis Colts coach, and Mike Rabel, the Tennessee Titans coach. Um, and then for the Cowboys, rep Stephen Jones is still on the competition committee. Um, and so the dates that we want to kind of watch out for as far as like when the NFL headlines might come out are February 22nd, which is the first day to designate franchise or transition tags. March 1st through 7th is the scouting combine in Indianapolis, Indiana. We've got March 8th, 
which is the franchise transition tag deadline. March 14th through 16th is a negotiating period for pending unrestricted free agents. March 16th is uh, at 4 p.m. Eastern is a dead bo- deadline by which free agent deals can be signed. Or no, that's the starting time for when free agent deals can be signed and trades can officially consummated. Um, March 27th through 30th is the annual league meeting, which is going to be in Palm Beach, Florida, April 4th. Uh, teams with new head coaches can begin off-season conditioning programs. April 18th, remainder of teams can begin off-season conditioning programs. April 22nd is a deadline for restricted free agents to sign offer sheets. April 27th is a deadline for teams to exercise right of first refusal on RFAs. And April 28th through 30th is going to be the NFL draft in Las Vegas. Yes. Okay. My favorite. <laughs> just became a fan and you're like that's your favorite <laughs> it'll be interesting to see who we draft though. i know i think that's I, gonna say a lot you know that's why like i've already like i don't know why my google does this to me but like i see articles of like cooper leaving or like zeke is gonna say well no fucking shit he's gonna stay and then like cooper leaving and then i got into it and it was like haha it's a lie he's staying and i'm like oh, you cannot put the hell i mean ah uh, ah uh. <laughs> So after the key dates, this article goes on to say, so what will the offseason hold? Let's run through the NFL's to-do list and 14 priorities to address before training camps open at the end of July. So this list, to my knowledge, was made by the writer, not by the NFL. But there were a few things that, like, I agree should be priorities. So we're going to look at those. So one is um, reevaluate the need for COVID-19 protocols. And so the article mentions the NFL ended the 2021 season testing only when symptoms presented after starting 2020 with daily testing for everyone. Will there be any testing in 2022? Will there be a need for players and coaches to isolate and miss practice or games if they're ill? If so, what will the time period be? And in anticipation of a possible late fall slash early winter surge, because that's how it goes, Will the league mandate booster shots to be classified as fully vaccinated? That's going to be a pretty big deal. That is because that's going to that's going to like uh, start for everything else. I'm yeah, it's going to sure. have implications for other people and yeah. how seriously they take boosters. Yeah. I, I feel like you're going to have a lot of players who don't want to take boosters because there were a lot of players who didn't want to get vaccinated right. but did it anyway. Right. And so now mandating something else like this again, I, I anticipate seeing a lot of people put their foot down and be like, okay, when is this going to end? Right, right, you know? right. Because there's already a lot of talk of like, this is the endemic and shit like that. Like With the Omicron, like a lot of people got it, but didn't really like get super sick. They didn't get hospitalized. So it's like we're sort of reaching herd immunity in a way because of Omicron. So I don't know. That's what people are hoping for. That's definitely what I'm hoping for. Me too, because I'm fucking tired of this shit. Same, same. Over it. Um, so the next thing is replace or reimagine the Rooney rule. <laughs> Forget about the Rooney rule, y'all. Forget about it. It didn't work. It's not going to work. Like, think about the logic of this. We want um, we want NFL teams to hire more black head coaches. We should force them to interview black head coaches. Okay, let's stop and think about why you have to force them to interview the black head coaches in the first uh-huh. place. Yeah. That's okay. where you need to start. Yeah. What is the problem to the point where the like they don't even want to interview uh, these black potential candidates? And then when they do, usually they come back with some feedback like, "Oh, they didn't interview well." 
and y'all don't ask no fucking questions, but then you want to put in ridiculous shit like the Rooney rule and wonder why it's not working. Do um, you think they did it like just this just a little kick cat? Do you think they did it for like like they were actually trying to for lack of a better expression, like fix the problem and it just backfired? It's possible. I can see like how they were, some try, people... they were actually trying, but it didn't really work the way that they expected it to. I think the people in support of the Rooney Rule might have been trying, but I think the people who were actually responsible for enforcing it and making sure that their team actually did keep up with the quota it didn't really. Yeah, I don't think they they ever cared. Yeah. Um. So this article states. Uh, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell said last week that all options are on the table to improve diversity outcomes among head coaching hires. Only two minority coaches were hired in the 2022 cycle to fill nine openings, leaving the league with a total of five among its 32 teams. The NFL has tweaked the Rooney Rule on a near annual basis in recent years and has certainly increased the visibility of minority candidates through interview requirements and incentives to develop diverse job candidates. But it might have squeezed all it can out of a rule that governs interviews, but not outcomes. Thank you. What could the NFL replace it with? It's fair to be skeptical of a rebrand. No matter how genuinely Goodell wants to diversify the head coaching ranks, owners make the final decisions. They are independent, largely unaccountable, and unlikely to approve a policy change that legislates our autonomy to hire preferred candidates. That's exactly what I said last week. Goodell struck the right tone last week, noting that a diverse workforce is a better workforce. As such, his long-term place to convince owners that their chances of winning increase uh, if they genuinely consider and hire candidates outside their comfort zones. They're not going to believe you. Diversifying ownership groups would help in that regard, and the NFL is actively recruiting diverse bidders for the Denver Broncos' upcoming sale. The short-term path is less clear. The Denver Broncos... Really? That's where you expect to find minority owners in fucking Denver? <laughs> One of the whitest days. <laughs> yes. That's the place where you're finally going to get black NFL team owners. Awesome. <laughs> Jesus. The fuck. Y'all are all out of touch. Even, even the most well-intentioned people among in the NFL are so fucking out of touch. Like, that's why I tweeted what I tweeted. To- <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's just like a joke. It's like, it's like they did it like on purpose to like make us laugh about this because it's just like in fucking credible. Like, out of all the fucking states that you could have, you got 50. <laughs> like, what have you said? Alaska? Like, where, what else are you going to go, bro? Like, and this oh. is the thing. It's just like, oh. like, we talk about not enough black head coaches. There's just not enough black people <laughs> in the right positions in the NFL. And that's how they get stupid ass ideas like the Rooney Rule. And recruiting people to black people to buy the Denver Broncos. <laughs> oh, this is oh my god! But I mean, I guess when you're thinking about people with enough money to buy an NFL team anyway, you're talking about the top one percent anyway. So oh, for sure. I mean, yeah, whatever. but still, bro, Jesus. Like, that's cute. <laughs> But like that's like my tweet about lift every voice and sing. So for those who don't follow on Twitter, what I said during the Super Bowl was that I was really irritated with with them having lift every voice and sing performed before big NFL events. I know you. There's a lot of reasons. I know you said it on the podcast, but I know you've told me this before. 
Yeah, but there's a lot of reasons. One of them is that it's like, that is a song that's usually sung at like black events. Like my first experiences hearing that song were like in church and at NAACP conventions, right? Which the NFL is so far removed from either of those things. <laughs> it's just like, why? Um, and then it's like, the NFL has a certain <clears throat> amount of money that it promised to dedicate towards social justice causes. And I just feel like with it being that this is the quote unquote black national anthem and they always get black performers, some of the money that they pledge in social justice issues is going towards having people perform this song before NFL games. And it's literally the, that is the definition of performative. Like you are literally taking money that's supposed to go towards fighting racism and discrimination and paying people to perform. <laughs> like. I don't think it gets any more performative than that. <laughs> you are paying. Oh God. <laughs> I just can't with the NFL and race right now. Oh my God. I would be like, y'all didn't even try, but the sad part is I think you are trying. <laughs> I think the NFL really is trying and this is the best I can. There's no fucking hope. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is called, the thing is like, bro, like. Oh my God. <laughs> who, did, who did you ask? Like, who, like, how did y'all get to that conclusion that that was the best way to go? You know what I mean? I I don't know. You didn't have like an equality If I was Roger Goodell, though. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Here we go. Jimmy Jones, no, Because, like, look, here's a problem with diversity. And I'm saying this because, like, I've watched some interviews on various platforms with, like, former players and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And usually when they're asked about, like, the uh, black head coach situation, they all kind of say a similar thing, which is like, oh, I think it has more to do with them hiring people that they're comfortable with. You know, kind of yeah. like, mm -hmm. like what we talked about. Yeah. Which makes sense. It's like, if you make that much money, you're probably used to being comfortable, not only in the space you occupy, but in various situations. Yeah. And so it's like thinking about how often you might have to interact with the head coach. You're going to want that to be somebody that you vibe with. Right. And most people vibe with people who are like them, right? So that might be legit, right? So if it were me, I would create more situations where people just have opportunities to interact. And it might sound kind of corny, but at least if you remove, you know, the, the relationship to a team's success or the possibility of a team being fined or not receiving a certain reward, people might be more likely to let their guard down. So here's what I would do. You're going to laugh at me and anybody <laughs> listening probably going to laugh at me. And this might be the stupidest shit ever, but this is what I would try. In the off season, I would I would make teams have social events together. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. So so shit like bowling or yeah. playing like tennis or football ball or golf. It's like, yeah, it's like y'all going golfing. Yeah. I'm I'm setting up, you know, people with their their caddies, or I'm putting the groups together for how y'all <clears> gonna <throat> go to each hole, you know, or you know, yeah. Dallas Cowboys, Houston Texans, y'all all going to Plano, y'all going bowling. Okay, I'm, I'm my girl. Let's together. go, my girl. Yes. Let's go. Boy. I'm putting the teams together. Miami Dolphins, Tampa Bay Bucks, y'all all going golfing together. <laughs> like you know, um, New England Patriots, Pittsburgh Steelers, y'all are going to watch a basketball game together. Right. This is who's all going to be in the box. You will talk to each other. I'm gonna ask. <laughs> 
You got I'm like, like teach it like a high school. You're going to have to pass this test, yes. bitch. Teach it like, treat it like a high school sports team. You sit them down afterwards and be like, okay, so so did you spend we're time with this person? We're debriefing this what, season. What did you learn about this person who's who's black and might be the only black person you ever went to a social event with? <laughs> like, maybe not go that far. I mean, but you may not be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but I just feel like, like that, like, low stakes, low pressure, just letting people relax somewhere where they can like drink and it not be an ethical issue. Cause you know, one of the things that came up in the Brian Flores thing was like, Oh, they showed up and it looked like it seemed like that they had been out late and they were drinking, you know, and Brian Flores felt away about that, you know, but like there were some people who heard about that and it's like, okay, well they still showed up. Like what's the big deal if they were tired or whatever. Right. Right. So it's like, if you remove that from that situation, be like, okay, go to the basketball game together. It's okay for you to drink, you know? As a matter of fact, I want you to drink. Right. Hell, do some drugs. You want some Molly? Molly, damn. I was like a weed. I was into Molly. Well, Jesus. Did you know I mentioned? I don't know. I don't know. Apparently, you know. Okay. Tell the people how Molly would help white and black people get along. Go ahead. Let's talk about how Molly <laughs> Can will we help black <laughs> No. <laughs> but you got the point. Go ahead. I'm just thinking because it makes you like so outspoken and you know, like I don't know. Like I didn't know this. Oh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it makes you like, you know, like it makes you open up? Yeah. Okay. Like in a good way? Like, well, I mean, I guess it depends on how it affects everybody, but you know. Okay. Usually, yes. In a, in a good setting, yes. Well, then what Roger Goodell could do is take everybody to Washington and then they can have their Molly leave. Because <laughs> <laughs> they'll get to Portland. <laughs> go up in the mountains and. Get to know one another. <laughs> you can, you, you know, you can do some shrooms too. You know, we all be happy yes. and, and, you know, and then smoke some weed to chill I out. I don't know anything about shrooms either. Apparently, I've been missing out on a lot of experiences. Apparently, I just heard a lot of stories. <laughs> oh, I just heard stories. Cool. <laughs> cool. All right. Next up. <laughs> <laughs> What's the answer? Drugs. <laughs> I mean, I did say alcohol, so I can't really. I mean, yeah, but still. What the fuck is playing in my phone? You have background articles playing in your phone. Probably. I don't know what it is, but it keeps stopping my thing from recording. Okay, here we go. So some other things on the list are dealing with the lawsuits by John Gruden and Brian Flores. Good luck, NFL. Um, <laughs> wait out Deshaun Watson's status. Fuck him. Um, dealing with replay shit, overtime shit. Address in-person media access. The pandemic has changed how players and coaches interact with the media, shifting interviews from the locker room and practice field to virtual settings and occasional but formal press conferences. 
The arrangement has limited the capacity to develop the kind of personal relationships that allow reporters to convey a deep understanding of what happens on and off the field, and it has no precedent in NFL history. This might seem like an insider issue, and most fans probably don't care about it. Ultimately, the responsibility is on reporters to gather information, not on teams to provide it, or even to make it easy to gather. And it's quite likely that many teams and players remain in favor of the new approach. After two years of closed locker rooms, it would be easy to continue with the status quo when the public health emergency fades. But there are also many people around the NFL who understand the value of deep media coverage. Former New Orleans Saints uh, coach Sean Payton advocated last month for locker rooms to reopen, saying, People don't understand when all of a sudden you practice inside with the COVID restrictions, the relationships that many reporters have with our players, it's hard to do those jobs effectively as you might like. <clears throat> and some prominent players, including Packers receiver Devontae Adams, have said they prefer the back and forth interaction that occurs during in-person meetings. Even if locker rooms remain closed to independent media forever, there are plenty of other ways to enhance access beyond the stopgap measures of 2020 and 2021. Some of them will be the topic of off-season discussions among the NFL, NFLPA, and Pro Football Writers of America. So I, I did an internship with a news station for a little while, and um, I did have the opportunity to go in an NFL locker room. And I agree. Like, doing reporting without that access is totally different. Like, oh, I'm sure. Yeah, you get to see a certain dynamic inside the locker room between players. You hear oh, things. Sure. They talk differently. Um and so, like, yeah, as, as someone who's, like, paid a lot of attention to the media, even before I started doing this podcast, I noticed a difference in the reporting. Yeah. And, you know, even having, you know, those few months of that experience of being able to be like, oh, so this is what they're paying attention to when they attend to practice. This is what happens whenever, you know, they go in the locker room. Right. Um, <clears throat> I'm like, okay, I get it. I get it. Yeah, because it's, it's more personal and, like, you're more yourself there. You know, you're not as prepared as when you're like already like pretty much knowing what they're going to ask and you're like half time, like it's a different, it's a different, uh, I don't know, yeah, experience. It's a, yeah. It's a different experience. It's a different vibe. You get different mm -hmm. information. Right. Um, and I mean, let's not act like the media isn't important to the NFL. Like <laughs> half the reason now. why people like care about the reason why you're able to have entire channels dedicated to sports yeah. is because it's a 24 hour news cycle. Yes. So it's like, yes. I feel like it's important. I hope they bring it back. Um, and then lastly on this list, it says accelerate cleat slash turf study. Yes, please do. I really don't want to see none of no more of my favorite players end up with in injuries, <clears throat> especially if it's something as simple as like, let's actually look into, you know, Changing what the dangers the are with mm -hmm. the turf or what certain right. type of cleats or whatever. Right. <clears throat> so according to this article, it says the league tracked the type of cleats worn by each player and also conducted an engineering analysis of every type of playing surface NFL games are staged on. Okay. The idea is to take relative injury rates by cleat, match it with surface performance, and try to find the best combination of shoes and playing surfaces moving forward. Grass is generally considered a safer playing surface, but it's not an option at some NFL stadiums, or at least not preferable given the heavy use the surface gets from other events. In cases where an artificial surface surface is unavoidable, the league's medical department hopes it can guide better cleat selection to minimize the chances of the type of injury we saw Beckham suffer Sunday night. But you would think after all these years, the NFL would have done some about this already. You would think. You would think. Because, like, reading that, I'm like, y'all haven't done that already? <laughs> that's, that's, that was exactly my thing. Like, bruh. 
Yeah. You've been doing this for like decades. I'm wondering if there's like information among players. Because, you know, it's like when we oh, go to a new right. surface, like what do we do? You know, on Facebook, who's played at this event yes. before? What kind <laughs> what of wheels floor, did you Yes, use? what floor is like, it? What kind of wheels do you It's like, use? oh, you use what? How much you weigh? How tall are you? Yes. Okay, you a gem or you a blocker? Right. Okay. There's a so, difference in, yes. Exactly. Yes. And so it's like, we we find out. Now that information isn't written anywhere, mm-hmm. but if you were go to, to go to skaters and be like, okay, you know, who's played at this surface in, yeah. in Dallas? And you could get a range. It's like, oh, I'm a blocker. I weigh this much. I use these wheels. You know, yeah. so you could find the information. Yeah, oh, for sure. For sure. So good luck to them with all of that. Um, let's move on with the rest of the shout-outs and call-outs. I thought we'd be further along by now, but at least the conversation's been fun. Oh, yes. All right, so the next shout-out goes to the WNBA for the largest ever capital raise for a women's sports property. Yes, bitch. So. I was so excited to read this. <laughs> this was published, and uh, I think it's a press release on WNBA.com. And it says, the WNBA announces close of capital raise to fuel investment and long-term transformation of league. And so they announced on February 3rd, the largest ever capital raise for a women's sports property featuring new investors and existing WNBA and NBA owners. This groundbreaking transaction is part of a multifaceted financial growth strategy designed to generate new revenue through increased investment and priorities in priority areas as part of the league's long-term business transformation. Now, they didn't say how much it is or what specifically it would be going to. I'm guessing they're going to figure that out at some point. I don't know what they'll announce or when. Probably announce things as they become, like, more concrete, you know? Yeah, I would I would hope so. Do you think but, they did this or they released it now after, uh, what was her name's comment? Uh, oh, Liz Campbell? Yes. I don't think so because they did mention generally some of the things that they're going to be working on and like player perks was not one of them. But it says proceeds from this transaction are expected to be used for brand elevation and marketing, globalization of the WNBA, innovation, digital and growth of consumer touch points Mm -hmm. and human capital and operational optimization as part of an overall effort to address some of the league's obstacles to growth and generating new, new revenue. So they're going to be investing this into things that they think will make them more money. Right. So it sounds like, <clears throat> you know, if make. you consider it on like a priority ladder, like, you know, better accommodations for players is like here. And they're like, let us invest in this stuff first. Right. And so then we once we start making this. more money, then, we right, can, right, right. you know, invest to make. Mm-hmm. So I'm not mad at it. Liz I'm Campus might be mad at it. Because <laughs> I'm just like to upgrade a seat. Come on. Like, you know how tall your players are. Like, I just feel right. like. Yes. That's just a given. Even if you can't increase their pay, can you just please give them some leg room? You right. Know I mean? It's it's uncomfortable for us, and we're regular people. Yeah, I'm I'm a very regular person. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! So, a quote from WNBA Commissioner Kathy Engelbert states. We are incredibly fortunate to be able to capitalize on the current momentum around women's sports and are grateful to the investors who have chosen to support the WNBA in an unprecedented way and to our team governors who continue to invest in the players and teams. Our strategy is to deploy this capital to continue to drive the league's brand as a bold, progressive entertainment and media property that embodies diversity, promotes equity, advocates for social justice, and stands for the power of women. Having just completed our historic 25th season, with this access to additional capital, we are setting the WNBA up for a successful future, and it represents a sign and signal of the future direction of women's sports as a whole. I agree. Me too. Me too. 
100% with all of it. I'm excited about this. I'm excited about this. And um, Sonia Henning, the VP of North American League Partnerships for Nike Inc., said, women's sports is one of the best investments with great potential to impact and grow the next era of basketball. Nike has always been more than a sponsor with the WNBA. We're a strategic partner, and we're proud to be the be part of a movement to redefine the future of sport for a new generation for WNBA players, fans, and girls. Mm -hmm. So um, among the initial investors, we have some known names like Pal Gasol. Yes, that's so excited. Are you a fan of his? He's Spaniard. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it was a it was a big deal when he made the NBA back home. It was a big deal, and then his brother made it too. And then it was just like it was not such a big deal for the other ones that came after. But he was like it was a big deal for my generation. Wait, like he has other brothers who made it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He yeah he played with his. I don't know if his brother was actually in the same team, but he made the NBA too. Yeah, yeah but he has more brothers than that. No, no, no. Okay, you said no, no, no. Not a big deal for others who made it after. Or you mean other, 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 other players that made the okay. NBA? No, other, other Spaniards that made the NBA after, but the both of them. Okay. Yeah. Um, Condoleezza Rice is also on this list. Interestingly enough. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So yeah, shout out to the WNBA for getting the money and for apparently having a plan to invest it in ways to really grow the league because that's really important. Yeah. Like, I do want to see players get paid more, and it would be very easy to like give in to the external pressure and be like, "Oh, we got to do something for the players." Yeah. But it sounds like they're trying to be smart about this and really like focus on longevity and what the overall right. brand goal is. Right. So they I focus on the big picture, and that's important exactly. for the future of the sport and women's sport in general. Exactly. So kudos to y'all. Thank you for doing it. Thank you. Um. So speaking of women's sports, uh, Shikari Richardson. <laughs> oh, man, Shikari. Um, <laughs> there goes the mom sigh again. Oh, Shikari. Um, so uh, Shikari Richardson took to Twitter to express her displeasure at the fact that a uh, Russian skater, uh, basically the results from a drug test that this skater took in December came out. And it turned out that she used, according to an article published on WFAA.com and written by Kevin Reese, um, this particular skater actually used a drug called. Something, something, zine. (laughs) (laughs) Traumatazidine. Ah, I think that's how you say it. Traumatazidine. Something like that. (laughs) It's, It's a drug that improves blood supply to the heart and cardiac patients. So you can imagine how it might, you know, improve blood flow, improve blood supply in an athlete. This particular skater is a figure skater, however. So, you know, we're not just talking about like an endurance athlete or, or a speed athlete. Um, she is a figure skater. And um, she's also 15. Yeah, she was 15. So there was a, a quickly called meeting of the Court of Arbitration for Sports with judges from Slovenia, Italy and the United States. Um, and with Valieva, who was a skater, testifying via video, they ruled it was, quote unquote, not her fault. The test results were delayed for two months and that at just 15 years old, she is a protected minor. So she was allowed to compete in the women's figure skating competition. You know, they didn't hold it against her. that They found this drug in her system. Um, they, they didn't say in this article, at least, whether or not it was something that she was supposed to be taking or if it's something yeah. that she did take to enhance her performance. <clears throat> so I'm not going to pass judgment on that. Um, 
my issue with Shakari is that, you know, in her tweets, she said, she said this, she said, the only difference I see is I'm a black young lady. And to all in the skin, not one black athlete has been about to compete with the case going on. I don't care what they say. You know, it's just disappointing. It's the whole concept of win at all costs. Um, so the reason why I have, I have, I have an issue with that for several reasons. One, with this particular athlete being a figure skater, there's a lot more to consider than just blood supply. Like I said, we're not talking about speed. We're not talking about endurance. Figure skating, you know, they judge you based on your execution, based on your form, you know? And so that was like really one of the things that made me wonder like, okay, why was she taking this drug, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and maybe she was taking it to enhance performance, you know, maybe her form is great, but then like she gets tired or gets winded and, right, and needs right. a little extra boost. I don't know. So it's, it's possible it could go either way. I just don't feel comfortable passing judgment when I don't have all the facts on a person. But what really bothered me was the mention of skin color. Because um, it, it just bugs the shit out of me when people bring race into situations where it doesn't need to be brought. And the reason why is because there are some very real situations going on where race is the issue, where racism is the problem, where people are being racist, they are being discriminatory, and they're being harmful on purpose. And when you start introducing race into situations where it doesn't need to be there, then what you're doing is you're weakening the case that all those people are making when they have legitimate reason to make it. Because then what happens is people are like, oh, y'all bring race into everything. Oh, every like people pull the black card for any reason, and it's taken less seriously. So- the reason why, and I probably should have led with this, the reason why Shakari was probably saying something in the first place is because um, she was banned from competing in the Olympics um, in the in the past Olympics that just happened in, what was it, Beijing? Yeah, it no, was, it was, it was yeah, Tokyo. It was, it was, well, yeah, well, it was last year. Yeah, last year. So, the non-winter Olympics. <laughs> the non-winter um, <laughs> the Summer Olympics. <laughs> so Shakari was banned from competing in the Summer Olympics, in the most recent Summer Olympics. She's a track but, athlete, in case y'all don't know. Yeah. Shakari didn't hear for whatever reason. I'm pretty sure we brought it up before, but in case y'all didn't know who she was. Yes. She is. So in this article, she's referenced as a North Texas track and field star. Mm-hmm. Not even a Texas track and field star. Like, they have minimized her to North Texas. Like, <laughs> um, <laughs> But I'll just state it as the article states it. North Texas track and field star Shakari Richardson took to Twitter on Monday to state her opinion on the sudden reinstatement of a Russian figure skater at the Olympics, even though the skater is accused of doping. Richardson suggests the difference is the color of her skin. Richardson, who tested positive for marijuana after qualifying for the 2020 Summer Olympics and admitted its use prior to the U.S. Olympic trials, was ineligible to compete in the Olympic 100 meters due to a one-month suspension suspension by the United States Anti-Doping Agency. So just in that paragraph alone, you can see all the differences. One, Shakari's results came out before the Olympic trials. In the case of this particular teenager, the results came out like like she was already there. She was already preparing to compete. Right. You know? Right. Also, Shakari's suspension was handed down by the United States Anti-Doping Agency. So a little bit of information about the United States Anti-Doping Agency. Um, they are a nonprofit, non-governmental organization and the National Anti-Doping Organization for the United States. So in 2001, the USADA was recognized by the U.S. Congress as the official anti-doping agency for the Olympic, Pan-American, and Paralympic sport in the United States. 
So basically, we're talking about an American entity that decided they didn't want Shakari Richardson to be a part of the representatives they sent to the Olympics, as opposed to the situation, this situation where one, Russian officials were like, we're cool with sending her, right? right? So you've got two different countries making two different decisions. And I mean, you know, just historically, the way to get America to do something different isn't by saying, well, the Russians did it. Um, <laughs> so just not, not winning there. But you've got two different countries with two whole different organizations making this decision. Yeah. And so then they had to bring in this international council to pass judgment on it. So it's just like, if you want to be mad at the U.S. anti-doping agency, address it with them. But like to to make it sound like it's race, like unless you have some evidence of that, and, and by all means, if there is some, like, bring it forward. Like, we want to see it. We need to know. Right. But I think by just throwing it out there without any proof, <clears> and <throat> when people can blatantly look at the facts and just be like, no, we're looking at two different countries, two different organizations, two different situations, it's just not helping your case. It's just making it seem like you're angry and emotional and don't have anything to back up what you're saying. Whereas if you were to take some time and be like, let me dig deeper into this, maybe you might actually find something to support your point, you know? Uh, mm -hmm. No, I agree. I agree. I feel bad for her because when the whole shit went down, I just, like, I, I, I don't even know if this. So had she been in a legal state, would have that matter? I don't think it would have. She would still would have. Being yeah, kicked because, out of the Olympics because the anti-doping agency and let me because double check, be, because it's I, not a federal law, I guess. Anyways, her mom has just had just passed. She found out by a reporter interviewing her, and she just smoked some weed. Okay, like it's not, it's not like she actually like doped herself to to do a like have a better performance or or qualify or whatever for the Olympics. But that doesn't excuse what she said the way she said it in my opinion yeah and it's like i totally understand her being emotional right that's I my just... point and she's also 18 she's also a teenager she's you know she's young and a lot of shit happened to her very fast so it's hard to cope with that when you're 18 yeah i guess i just want want her to be more responsible right. and that when is you, a lot to ask if someone's so young is she really only 18 I think she was 18 when she was uh, uh, running for it. Maybe I'm tripping, but I thought she was 18. We're about to find I don't think out. She's that young. She's 21. Oh, I thought she still was very young. Yes. Still very young. I still understand her being emotional, especially yeah. dealing with the death of a parent. Yeah, that's a lot to deal with. Yeah. However, I don't know if she still has a team. I don't know who's on her team if she does have a team. But it's just like when you have that type of platform, and this is something that we've talked about, mm -hmm. you you've the, just got to be the, responsible. The, the influencer pyramid. Influencer pyramid. You know, she's still, you know, kind of mm -hmm. high up there. Not yeah. at the very tip top, but she's still high oh, up yeah. there. You she know? still had a lot of retweets from that. Oh, yes. So um, not only does it hurt the case of people who actually are victims of racism and discrimination, but it hurts her case, too. You know, because now even if she does decide to dig into it, she's going to need so much more in the way of credibility for people right. to take her seriously. Right. You know, yeah. so it's just like if you really do want to see something done about this, you can gather information, advocate for your cause. Yeah. But just this isn't the way to go about it. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Hopefully she'll learn from this. It doesn't seem like she's learned from past mistakes yet, though. So 
It might take some time. No, seriously, sometimes when people are young, they yeah. don't really see the error of their ways for like years and years and years, and they look back on it, it's like, damn, fuck, I shouldn't have said that. Oh, <laughs> fuck, I shouldn't have tweeted that. <laughs> right. Can I take it back? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I'm gonna run through this next shout out real quick. Uh, so uh, shout out to the Nets and 76ers. Um, so there was this cool ass trade. We talked about Ben Simmons very early on in our show when we were like, how the hell are you just like letting all that money just fly away because yeah. you hate your team? Yeah, and then um, we're like, ha so, but you didn't. So now he's not on that team anymore. Um, ben Simmons has been traded from the Philadelphia 76ers to the Brooklyn Nets. Um, <laughs> if the Nets are going to playoffs this year, I'm just going to be like, what are you doing? I mean, it might not be this year. You know, team chemistry is a thing. It might take some time. That's true. That's, that's a fair point. That but fair I'm happy point. that he's in a better place. Yeah. One thing I am concerned about, though, is that people are questioning whether or not his claims of having mental health issues were legitimate. I don't I don't like that that's being called into question. One, because when people call it into question for one person, especially a celebrity, they start to call it into question for everybody. I agree. And two, like people just have different ways of dealing with stuff. It's, it is possible that him being in a different environment and in a different situation can have a positive impact on his mental state. Yeah. So I just... I, I don't know. Uh, Flynn and I were talking about him, like, like actually, when the rumor went out, but it wasn't actually real, and now it's real that they actually traded him. Mm-hmm. Um, well, they said that he was going to the Bulls, right? Was that the rumor? That was a rumor for a little while, yeah. Yeah, but anyways, when that came out, we were talking about it, and it was just like when when he got drafted to the 76ers, uh, he like so the point is like he's not a good shooter or he doesn't shoot enough, right? Like, right. That was that was Both. the thing, yeah. Right, but when you draft that player, you know that about that player. You like is the expectation and the, the the expectation the pressure that you put it on the player, knowing that that is not that kind of player. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I understand his not wanting to be there because that's not that's not his style of play or whatever. Like he can be, but that's not who he is. And like if that's what you wanted off him, you should have just told him from the start. You know what I mean? Like I just feel I feel in a way I feel bad for him, but in a way I'm like, bro. Listen, you yeah, play putting for the it in NBA that context, I never, I, I think I never thought about it that way before. But like the criticism that he was getting from his teammates was pretty much like, like you know, shooter. out of all the stuff that you bring to the team because you're a bad shooter, like, yeah, look at fucking trash. Dennis Rodman, he won games with zero points, <laughs> sure. And so Steve Nash, coach of the Nets, uh, said this about Ben Simmons he said, Ben does a thousand things on the basketball court. Shooting is not one of them that I'm dying to see. <laughs> he is an amazing basketball player, and that's without shooting the ball. So to me, there's not a conversation there at all. If he gets better at shooting, great. But he's an all-star basketball player and has an incredible potential to affect games without all the other things he does. So to be honest with you, it's not a huge concern of mine. Yeah. So sometimes that type of support is literally it's- all a person needs just to be like, I'm not crazy. Yeah. And like you can bond with your teammates better, you know, like the pressure is not as much there as it probably was with the 76ers. Like it's a different dynamic already. Right. It's the, especially if they uh, accept him and value his contributions. Yeah. As and they acknowledge like, the style well, of Why play. don't you do this other shit? Right. You know? Right. 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 
So, and, and we also have to keep factoring in with like, with a lot of these people, he is young, you know, he's a young guy. So whereas some people, especially a lot of the commentators who are on these sports shows and who are passing judgment, like, oh, that's what he's upset about. It's like, okay, well, it's easy for you at the age of like fucking 50 <laughs> to be like, oh, that's what he's upset about because you've had life experience. Right. But for somebody his age, like literally his position as an athlete, his status as an athlete might right. literally be the only thing that he has to attach an identity to. I agree. Yes. And so when, you know, people in the locker room with him and his coaches start calling that into question, mm -hmm. like, yes, that might weigh on him heavier than it would weigh on somebody who's in their forties or fifties and who's had, you know, been married and divorced and had kids and dealt with the death of parents and all this other shit. You right. know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I'm just like, yes, cut him a break. Maybe it's not a big deal to you, but that doesn't mean that it's like not real. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, so I agree. that's all I'm going to say about that. Yeah, I'm and also I only I'm, wanted to make that point. I'm kind of shocked about how things went down between James Harden and Kevin Durant because I was under the impression that they were like friends. Me too. And then Kevin Durant was like, by the time I found out how unsatisfied James Harden was, it was like too late to do anything about it. I'm like, so y'all didn't talk? <laughs> you know, like yeah. that's just weird to me. Like to me, that would be like if you like left and transferred to another team, and people was like, why did that being transfer? And I'm like. I don't know. She ain't say shit to me about it. Like, <laughs> like, you would have been the first one to know. Like, <laughs> come on. What the hell? You would have been the first one to know. I don't know. Like, do you feel like maybe, maybe he felt like he couldn't say anything in case like the rumor went out or something? I really have no idea what to make of it, except that that's weird. And that is weird because I thought they were very close and, too. And there are some pundits who have said that, you know, this is going to affect, uh, you know, Kevin Durant's reputation, not his legacy. His legacy is solid as a basketball player. Oh. But that people are going to attribute this to be a, being a failing of his um, because he's he's supposed to be the leader of the team. Um, and it's like, how did you let things get so bad? And it just kind of makes me wonder, like, what kind of friend is he? You know, because remember at the Olympics for a little while, you know, when Kevin Durant, another situation where he was supposed to be the leader. Oh, yeah. There was a, a time period where people were like, who is the leader in the locker room? Yeah. Because it's like people kept trying to make it the story like Kevin Durant was a leader. But then it was just like it seemed apparent based on reports that were coming out and interviews that were happening that he wasn't actually the leader. So, yeah. I mean, it's possible that he's a phenomenal basketball player. Oh, there's no and doubt an amazing about that. <laughs> physical specimen. Yeah. But he's just no not God. the person to like really build a team culture and bring people together and really interact with people. Yeah, you know not what I'm everybody saying? is a leader, and like just because you put them in that position is not going to make them a leader. Right, and that's even something <laughs> that I see in Derby a lot, where yes, it's just like the best skaters, the... people want them to be leaders. Yeah, that's like with not Freight how it Train, I, I've gotten so many people asking me, "Why does a Freight Train train the league more? That's Why not does who a Freight Train is. want to be captain?" And that's I'm just not like, "Who she is? She don't want." Like it's, it's not a fit for her, and she's decided that. You know what I'm she saying? She wants to play and have fun, and that's all she wants to do. Right. And you cannot blame her for not wanting to like teach you her like whatever. Like that's not who she is. Exactly. So you can be a phenomenal athlete, a great teammate, and if and you ask her, she'll tell you though. That's the difference. If you go and ask her, like, hey, how do you do this or whatever? I've done it myself. Like I know, and she's told me. I'm talking from my own personal experience. Yeah. Like if you actually have like. This is freight train, you know, whatever example. But if you go and ask her, she'll tell you and she'll talk to you and she'll teach you how she does it. Like, there's not. So if you go to whoever it is and, like, 
you know, ask them, like, they're probably going to tell you. It's just, they're just not a leader. They don't want to do it. That's yeah. not who they are. And Kevin Durant might be the same way. Right, like, that's what I'm saying. The skill set that goes into being a good athlete is completely different than the skill set that goes into establishing a culture, establishing a philosophy, enforcing that philosophy, being the glue that holds a team together. 100%. And so I just wonder if people aren't putting unfair expectations mm -hmm. on Kevin Durant by being like, oh, you should have been on top of this. And it's like, well, who expected him to be on top of this and why? Yeah. Like, just because they're friends, you expected that? Like, not everybody is the same type of friend, and not everybody has the same type of friendship. Like, there are other people who I consider friends who I'm not friends with them like I'm friends with you. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Oh, yeah, for and sure. And so I'm just like, maybe you maybe you could put this on him in the sense that, like, maybe, maybe there is something that he could have done about it. But I'd be really curious to know, like, who decided that he was supposed to do something about it and why? Yeah. What were you basing that on? Did you ask Harden if you wanted to tell him? Like, yeah, James Harden might not want to. Like, <laughs> why are you blaming Kevin Durant? He might have been like, man, I know if I tell Kevin Durant, I'm not, yes, he, exactly. he's going to try to get me to say it. And I don't even, and like I don't even want it. Exactly, exactly. I'll be even like, so, you know, yeah, I'm going to just pretend like that. everything is cool. It's like, we just don't This know. is what's the size of a coin, y'all. Yeah. So, so. while I, 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 I can see the perspective people are putting this on Kevin Durant, I just don't know if it's entirely fair. Yeah. Because it's I just, I just so. feel like we've seen too many situations of Kevin Durant showing us what his priorities are. Not that they're even bad. Like, if your only priority oh, is I want to be a good athlete and win championships, cool. You have the right to do that. Yeah. But you don't owe nobody else shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You don't know nobody else shit, you know? But I feel like we've seen that enough from him to where it's like, why are we still expecting him to be this big stand-up-on-the-soapbox leader directing traffic? He ain't, We have never seen him be that. Right, exactly. We've never seen that from him. Why are people still acting like he it's a failing of his that, it's not, no, that he's not doing that? No, he's, he's, he hasn't done it in, like, so many years. He's not going to do it now. Like, I don't know. I don't know why I, I the expectation I came to the conclusion after the there. Olympics that that's not who he was. Right. And so when people are like, you know, why isn't he being a leader in the locker room? I'm just like, where are y'all getting this from? <laughs> anyway, well, good luck, Kevin Durant. Yes. I, you know, I know he has a thing about snapping back at people on Twitter. Just don't let that consume you because, like, these motherfuckers not going to understand. Yeah. At some point, you're just going to have to, like, you let them you. do them and move on. Yes. And just be like. I know who the fuck I am. Oh, yeah. And they're very, very, like, you know, uh, whatever behind the keyboard. Like, if they were yeah. with you, they wouldn't say shit. So. Well, sometimes he's responding to people who are, like, in front of the camera. Oh, wow. But it's just, like, even then when you respond, like, you're just giving them more ammunition. Like, yeah. you're giving them more shit to talk about. You are helping them program their next show. <laughs> you helping them do their job. you basically saying, like, here, let me pour this tea for you. Yeah. Like, don't do, do you that. you want me to warm it up for you? Yeah. Don't, don't play into it. Um, but yeah, the Nets also got Seth Curry in the trade. And at first I was like, how did they get Seth Curry and Ben Simmons yeah. and Andre Drummond and two picks in exchange for, in exchange for James Harden and Paul Millsap. Yeah. But then I thought about it and I was like, oh, well, Ben's not a shooter. Seth Curry is. So mm -hmm. even though value wise, I don't think of it as Ben Simmons plus Seth Curry equals James Harden. Right, right, right. In right. a way that equation kind of makes sense. <laughs> yeah. In a way. But we'll yeah. see how it all plays out. Yeah. I'm excited about that, though. All right. Anyway. Next shout out goes to um, U.S. Women's Soccer. The, the She Believes Cup is coming up. Mm -hmm. um, as a matter of fact, by the time this podcast comes out, um, it, it might be happening that day <laughs> or the next day. It's going to be happening that day or the next day, depending on when you hear this. So the She Believes Cup is happening on February 17th at 10 p.m. Central Time. 
for those who like to hear things in a, in a more standard way, it'll be at 11 p.m. Eastern. Like, I care about Eastern time. Anyway. Be in Florida. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it's, uh, who is the U.S. playing? I don't remember who they're playing. Oh, uh, dang it. I thought it wasn't a thing. What, in my show notes? No, yeah. my show notes are not that detailed. They don't pay me enough. <laughs> um, but the She Believes Cup is hosted by U.S. Soccer every spring, and it has become one of the most important events on the calendar for the U.S. women's national team. That's because the tournament has served as a valuable testing ground for new players on the U.S. women's national team, helping the next stars of the team secure their spots. The Czech uh, Republic. Czech Republic. I just saw it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> And so that part about helping the next stars secure their spots is the part that I found interesting um, because a lot of talk has been going on about the fact that some of the bigger stars are not rostered for this game. Mm -hmm. And so um, an article written for Sports Illustrated by um, Avi Creditor, is that a real name or, sorry. Anyway, an article written for Mm -hmm. sportsillustrated.com says, Andonovsky's message is clear to the USWNT veterans that are not part of the She Believes Cup squad. They said it's entirely possible, likely even, that the USWNT will resemble its past additions for key qualifying games this summer, but nobody's place is guaranteed. So uh, some of the people who are not going to be on that roster include Megan Rapino, mm-hmm. Alex Morgan, Kristen Press, and Tobin Heath. Um, and so one of the things that, that did come out directly from the coach, uh, they said, it doesn't mean that all these players that have done in the past are just going to come back in the next camp because they've done well a year ago and two years ago. They need to perform. They need to play in their NWSL markets. They need to play well in their markets and show they can still be valuable for the national team. Um, and Donofsky indicated that their omissions were by design and long thought out with the desire to give more opportunities to the likes of Sophia Smith, um, Mal Pugh, Ashley Hatch, and Ashley Sanchez, the priority. It's entirely possible, likely even, that the older guard returns in time for CONCACAF's tandem Women's World Cup Olympic qualifying tournament this July. But for the time being, there is headway to be made for the next generation. I know that can be tough for veterans who are used to playing and maybe didn't see this coming, but I can't really be mad at it either. Me neither. Um, and These I new players been... need minutes too. They need to play too. They need to actually experience to play at this level for them to actually be better later. Yes. They need the opportunity to improve themselves yeah. and either they will or won't. Yeah. They'll either prove themselves and be like, yes, I deserve a spot on, right. on the national team or right. Andonovsky is going to be like, you know what? Actually, I do need to put Megan Rapino back in this rotation. Right. But I do think it's smart for the coach to give them a chance. Mm-hmm. And I haven't been paying as much attention to the NWSL teams to know who's been playing or who hasn't. But if there are people who haven't, I do think it's smart for the coach to be like, yo, you're not even playing on your local team. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like, how have you been developing yourself? Are you right. just so cocky to think that you need that to save yourself for the it. national team? Mm-hmm. You're just going to be on the national team? Right. Like, like, no, we need people <clears throat> who are going to be playing this sport consistently, who, like, have a position, who have a certain status in this sport. Yeah. So, you know, I get it. 
I, I get it too. I get it too. I but like I said, I just I think these new players need to get the experience, and this is a good time to do it. Yeah. Now, on another note, related to women's soccer. Oh boy, this is a call out. This is a major call out to U.S. soccer. This is this is. Uh, according to stars of the U.S. women's national team, um, U.S. soccer stood by amid alleged abuse by Rory Danes, who had been accused of misconduct with youth players. And so now they weren't very specific when they said misconduct. In this particular article written uh, for the Washington Post. Yeah, it was very loud. Um, it was just like, oh, well, this happened. Yeah. So <laughs> but if you dig. <laughs> yeah. So in that article, they said um, some of the biggest stars of the U.S. women's national team publicly criticized the U.S. Soccer Federation, the sport's powerful governing body, for willful inaction in the wake of revelations Tuesday in the Washington Post that a longtime coach in the National Women's Soccer League, Roy Danes, had been accused of misconduct with youth players decades, decades earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, in a quote by uh, Cindy Parlo Cohn, who's a former president. Oh. oh, players wrote a letter. Um, shit, how do I say this? <laughs> Okay, I got it. So here's a quote from a a letter written by players. So according to the article, it says, end quote, U.S. soccer had the obligation to protect its players, yet it stood by as abuse continued to occur unchecked, the players wrote Wednesday in a letter addressed to Federation President Cindy Parlo Cohn and former President Carlos Cordero. In the case of Dames and other NWSL coaches accused of abuse last year, the players alleged the Federation failed to do the bare minimum to keep us and the young girls who play in the youth leagues safe. Mm-hmm. The letter signed by top players, including Megan Rapino, Alex Morgan, and Crystal Dunn, is a sign of a growing focus on U.S. soccer in the wake of a wave of revelations of abuse allegations against male NWSL coaches that began last year. U.S. soccer oversaw the NWSL for most of its 10-year existence, and it oversees the country's sprawling youth soccer system licensing youth and professional coaches. So I had to look into it further and see like what exactly they meant by um, misconduct, because that's, that's kind of vague in my opinion. Um, And so there was another article also published in the Washington post. um, And it starts with a quote that says, nobody believed those teenagers. So we're about to describe some things, including coercion um, and various trigger warning. Of this is trigger warning. I don't like the phrase tr- trigger warning. But... Oh, well, this, <laughs> this is a warning. It may yeah, be shit is, that you may not like. Maybe shit that you you don't like and uncomfortable hearing. You can say trigger warning all you want. I was just okay. saying that's why well, I didn't use that phrase. So um, the article starts off. Last fall, when players in the National Women's Soccer League publicly accused prominent coach Rory Dames of verbal and emotional abuse, Megan Noda was immediately transported to two decades before when she was a teenager playing for Dames in suburban Chicago. Yes, she recognized the behavior the players described, she said, but she also recognized something else. The NWSL players said they had twice before raised alarms about Dames only to see him continue coaching. Noda and her teammates tried to do the same, she said. In 1998, a police officer in Arlington Heights, Illinois, investigated after a former player complained that Dames had touched her inappropriately on her upper thigh when she was a minor, according to a police report obtained by the Washington Post. Uh, Noda spoke to police, too. 
she said, telling them Dames had made degrading sexual jokes about her. Other players on Dames's club, Eclipse Select, reported similar comments, according to the police report. One told police that Dames would talk about foreplay and blowjobs and often referred to male climax as snowing. Others reported that Dames, who was 25 at the time of the report, would talk about sex and their bodies, and multiple players told police they were concerned that Dames spent too much time with young soccer players, with, with young players outside of soccer. Mm -hmm. But police closed the investigation after the accusers decided not to file former complaints and prosecutors declined to pursue the case. Just as he would, decades later, Dames kept his job. Um, and so it goes on to say, um, one woman told the Post that Dames cultivated an inappropriate relationship with her from age 14, conduct she now sees as grooming. Once she turned 18, the woman said he used his power over her soccer career and the control he had long exerted in her life to have sex with her as she was still playing for him at Eclipse in the early 2000s. I felt like I didn't have a choice, the woman told the post um so if that's not disgusting enough in 1998 a police report also includes statements from two other players who accused dames of batteries a girl who said he pinched her when she refused to give him a massage and a boy who said dames punched him in the stomach so he was abusive in a lot of ways mm -hmm. Uh, 14 of Dane's former youth players told The Post that he was verbally and emotionally abusive towards them as teenagers for many in ways that they say left lasting psychological damage. Their allegations in many ways mirror those that were raised in the ultimately and ultimately dismissed by authorities in 1998. They include body shaming and public humiliation of girls as young as 10. Yep. Among the names multiple players said Dane's called them and their teammates when they were teenagers were cunt, Fat ass, pussy, and retarded. That's just insane. Um, in an email to the Postal lawyer for Dames, Susan Bogart, said the allegations of sexual harassment and grooming against Dames were false. She also said that the police reports were unfounded. Um, Bogart did not specifically address the former player's allegations of Dames abusing his power to have sex with her, saying she could not respond to anonymous allegations. But yet you're saying everything is unfounded. Okay. Um, but it goes on to describe situations where like this woman, the like they were hanging out in his apartment after practice and shit. And then when she became of age, they were playing car games, and he was asking her to take a piece of clothing off every time she lose. And she felt like she had to do it. Because of all the grooming, all the years that if she had said no, he would have like punished her later on with whatever. And, and that's, then, yeah, they ended up like she felt like she had to have sex with them. And like the whole thing is just like so fucking. Yeah. And that's something echoed in this account by Noda. She said she played for Dames mm -hmm. for several years in the mid 1990s, both at Eclipse and at her high school, mm -hmm. St. Viator. One day at practice when she was around 15, she said Dame told his players to get on their knees for a drill. As she knelt alongside her teammates, she said he turned to her and remarked, Noda, I bet you know this position well. She said, I remember feeling uncomfortable, but what do you do? Because the way he portrayed himself to us, you don't want to do anything to piss him off because then you won't play. He held soccer and us loving the game so much over our head and he could do anything to us because we wanted to play so bad. 
Um, she said there were other instances when dames targeted her with sexual jokes and comments, frequently bringing up her boyfriends and her sex life and making comments that no adult should be making to a teenager. She remembered a popular song called Laid that dames would often say reminded him of her when it played on the radio, calling it your song. Um, yeah, there's just a lot of disgusting behavior yes. that a coach should never exhibit. Um, there was also reports of degrading and sexual comments, uh, dames telling a player she had a nice ass and he wanted to sleep with her. And one where he joked that a girl should have taken her shirt off. Um, and then also like, if you would refuse, he would punish the whole team, make you sprint the entire practice until people would throw up and like faint and, and pass out. Like it's like, it's not, it's not just like the, like case by case case by case cases basis case by case basis but yeah. but the whole the, the team as a whole like everybody would pay if you like did not do whatever he wanted to do like it's just fucking disgusting and gross and and horrible yeah so this is a really long article and yeah, it goes on to long. describe um you know more sexual misconduct yeah. um Everything from him making comments about their bodies, bodies mm -hmm. that he did like and bodies that he didn't mm -hmm. like, um, as well as, um, you know, him calling young players fat and using mm -hmm. vulgar words like fat fuck, fat cunt, fat ass. So body shaming. We're talking about 10 year old girls. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not that it's OK at any age, but we're talking about 10 year old girls that he's saying this to. Um, one recalled how in fifth grade at a hot summer tournament, she and her teammates tied their shirts up, leaving some of their stomachs visible. Dane singled out a girl who was heavier than some of her teammates and said, put that down. That's not a good look for you. Mm -hmm. To a, a fifth grader. Mm -hmm. Like, you shouldn't even be looking at them like what's a good look for them or not. Let them, they're in fifth grade. Jesus. Yeah. Oh, God. This is like, like I was just saying, like, this is like a... Like, Nasser type shit. Yeah, so it goes on to describe inappropriate touching, um, verbal and emotional abuse, sexual manipulation, and it's just disgusting. And like when I first read it, I was really upset that U.S. soccer like didn't do anything about it. Yeah. Just you know that this has been going on for decades for and they didn't do decades. Anything. You know what I thought about this after this though? What? I thought about the fact that the only reason I even heard about that was because I was like literally Googling for news about U.S. women's soccer to talk about on the show. Because we are, we are very intentional about talking about women's sports, right? Yeah, right. And so it came up on a Google search. Out of all the sports I talk about and listen to, this doesn't come up. Yeah, you dig for it. Yet you have this whole convoy of people talking about we got to protect women's sports from people like Leah Thomas because she's oh. trans and wants to swim. So think about that for a second. All these folks out here talking about we need to protect women's sports. We need to protect women athletes. You, you know what you shit need to like do? Shit like this happens. We don't hear shit from them. Mm, nothing, nothing. Nothing. They're not talking about the story. They're not tweeting it. They're not calling this guy out. They're not calling U.S. women's soccer out. They're not reposting, retweeting, publishing, talking about the letter written by the soccer players. Nothing. nothing. Not a goddamn thing. And y'all claim that y'all want to respond. Protect, protect women sports, women's sports and protect women athletes. Y'all, y'all say y'all want to protect girls. No, y'all are fucking transphobic pieces of shit. You're using women's sports as a medium for your transphobia because if you cared about women's sports, I wouldn't have to Google shit like this just to hear about it. I wouldn't have to research this to get the details. 
it would be on my Twitter feed. It would be on my Facebook feed. It would be. On it would trending. be on the shows that I watch everywhere. and listen to. If y'all actually gave a fuck about women's sports, y'all don't invest in women's sports. Y'all don't really cover care. women's sports. Y'all don't watch women's sports. You don't encourage other people to watch women's sports. You don't support it. You, you don't, don't buy it. You, you don't. don't address coaches like the ones that we just talked about. Y'all look the other way whenever it's brought up. Mm. But then as soon as a trans woman wants to be an athlete, y'all got something to say talking about y'all got to protect women's sports. Y'all got to protect girls. Shut the fuck up. Until you actually start addressing the real problems that are plaguing men, women's sports, I don't want to hear shit from none of y'all people talking about you got a problem with trans athletes. Shut the fuck up. Because you're not actually trying to protect women's sports. You don't give a fuck. If you did, everybody would know about you this would, story. Yeah, right, exactly. And you wouldn't be acting the way you did. But anyways, well, very well said. They, they like, it burns me up and they don't care. Like, they don't care. And they're just pretending to care. You're right. That, like, keyword pretending you like you not only do you not care about women's sports you are using women's sports as a faux platform for your fucking bigotry yeah right Mm -hmm. so it's like you have the audacity to like use something that you don't even care about something that you ordinarily don't even pay attention to 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 justify your hatred and your discrimination yeah like are you fucking serious yeah even, (laughs) even when you're tweeting this shit like most of the time you don't even know what sport they play most of the time, the people that you're talking about, all these trans athletes that you're talking about, yeah. that you didn't, they, they shouldn't be playing women's sports. You don't even know what sport they play. Right. You don't even I, fucking I was know to anything about, about them. the Thomas situation, and they were like, "Yeah, you got these trans athletes coming in here and just breaking all these records." And I was like, "How many athletes have done that besides Leah Thomas?" Right. That that was. My, I was yeah, like, "How many other trans swimmers stuff. are there?" And they're like, "Well, I'm sure there are some." And I was like, "Okay, well, either there aren't any." Or they're just as competitive as the other women they're competing against. In which case, your claims are unfounded. <laughs> so which one is it? Either uh-huh. either you are up in arms about people who literally don't exist or everything that you're saying is wrong. Which one is it? One woman. One woman. And this is and this is and this is like a thing that happens with a lot of shit. Not just not just this, but it's like you find this one thing that fits your narrative and you don't need nothing else. That's it that's it for you you're not gonna you're not gonna you're not gonna research anything else you're not gonna ask any more questions you're not gonna look not into it to find out you're not gonna to read articles you're not gonna do anything else about it because that one that like point zero 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 one percent of the people fits your narrative fuck you yeah mm-hmm. got what you wanted moving on you do not give a fuck about women's sports exactly. you do yes. not give a fuck about girls or women who play sports you probably don't give a fuck about girls and women at all at all honestly. <laughs> at all at all including susan Bo- bogart whoever the fuck is dependent defending this piece of shit in- including fucking caitlin jenner fuck you yes yeah anyway so close this out on a happier note yes i'm like i'm just gonna fire it up right now <laughs> fuck <laughs> The homie Aaron Jackson. Ooh, oh, yes. my God. I shouldn't say the homie. I'm not that close with her. <laughs> I'm not either, but, but damn, I've seen her Well, play. I guess if I can refer that's, to that's NFL all. players as Bay, I can I can call Aaron the homie. The homie I mean. Aaron Jackson uh, brings home the gold. First black woman to win speed skating medal at the Winter Olympics. That's so. Just- um, shout yes. out not only to her, but also to her teammate, Brittany Bo. Like mm-hmm. some people are like, you know, what does it look like to be an ally? And I consider that a good al- example of allyship because it's just like, technically Aaron didn't qualify. And she was like, 
no, Aaron needs mm-hmm. to be there, mm-hmm. you know. So so shout out to both of them, but definitely shout out to Aaron for running the weight race, right? Winning the race. I don't know uh, how I don't know how Brittany did in the other races, but she ended up 17th on this one, mm-hmm. on the 500 meter. So in a way, she actually brought also a goal home by letting Aaron run in a the, way. The, the 500. In a way. So thank you to both it's of y'all. It's not event though, so, you know. No, no, that's what I'm saying, but like, thank you to the both of y'all. Like, like that was a good, that was a good thing. That was but, good but thing. like, special shout out to Aaron. One, oh, for becoming an Olympic level speed skater in the first place. <laughs> because it's like, has she been skating for a long time? Yes. But, like, she didn't step foot on ice until, like, six years ago. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, I'm like, that's impressive to go from, I've never done this shit before, to, like, yes, I'm, I'm one of the best Olympics, in the y'all. world. <laughs> like, documented. <laughs> I'm one of the best in the world. Facts. You know? Facts. And also, just for, like, doing what she does. Like, I think sometimes people downplay the importance of representation and they downplay what it means to be the first black person to do something. And I don't I don't know what she might have had to, like, fight against or compete against personally. Yeah. But I do know what it's like to be an athlete and experience self-doubt and to have that self-doubt compounded by the fact that you're doing something that a lot of people who look like you don't do in the first place, Mm -hmm. you know? Um. And so on top of that, also shout out to Aaron's family for being so supportive because there's a lot of people whose families aren't that supportive. And they're just like, why are you trying to do that? Yeah, why are you going to do that? I I personally know athletes right now who are like chasing their goals and chasing dreams and their families are literally like, why are you investing money in this? Why are you putting time into this? Did you you hear her interview when she got to uh, Beijing? Beijing? When she got there? Yeah. They interviewed her like I think it was the the ceremony day opens oh opening ceremony yeah no, or the, or the second day but anyways she just said that she's well obviously she's very happy to be there but she she wants to be looked at as a role model for young black women black girls to like oh yeah I want to do that too I want to go ice skating I want to yeah. whatever it is that you want to do like she wants to you know like. It's cool. It was cool. It was cool. Yeah. And I mean, people might not know this, but as a black woman, as a black person, I remember there being a lot of things that like I would think about doing and I would hear comments like black people don't do that. And I mean, everything from listening to certain types of, of music to participating in certain types of sports and certain types of activities like like you literally hear that sometimes. So there probably are black girls out there who might want to ice skate or play hockey or figure skate or speed skate like Aaron. And as soon as they bring it up, I want to go, I want to play hockey. Like that looks cool. Right. Exactly. And they hear somebody maybe in their own family, maybe even an adult say black people don't do that. Yeah. So it's like knowing that I appreciate her for being this person. Oh yeah, for sure. Because like, I, I get what people are saying when they're saying when they say it shouldn't take all that in a perfect world. No, it shouldn't. But yeah. in the real world, it does. You know, there was there was like some nasty comments on the post, and like one of them was just like, "Why do you have to bring up race? Like she is just a woman that got gold, you know, speed skating. That should have been the headline." And uh, like people were like, "Ah, you can tell you're a fucking white man." Like. You've been represented for so fucking long. Like, there's nothing in the world that has not been done, quote unquote, by white men. Like, you've you've been represented. Like, you don't know how that feels to be like that little black girl to be like, oh shit, I can exactly. do this shit. Like, you don't, you don't, you don't like. And the fact that bothered you that much to exactly. stop and fucking comment on it, like, 
that much? It bothered you that much? Like, Hi, you cannot scroll up. Like, you had to stop and fucking comment on it. That was that was my big thing about seeing comments like that. I'm like, you don't see a problem with the fact that you're, you're bothered by her race being mentioned in the headline? Yes. I'm like, if it really didn't matter, you wouldn't, you wouldn't say anything. Even, you wouldn't have shit to say. <laughs> right, right. It, you wouldn't, yes, exactly, exactly. So shout out to Aaron. Um, one thing that I did think was funny, and some people were mad about this. I wasn't really mad about it, but I kind of expected it. But like somebody was like, oh, great. Now my feed is full of everybody talking about like that one time they met Aaron Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> like, she's everybody's best Pictures, friend now. Yeah, I've, uh, yeah, but I do want to tell the story days. of the first time I met Aaron Jackson. <laughs> if, if you don't mind. Oh, no. <laughs> so, By any means. Okay, so this was at RollerCon. All right, so for people listening, RollerCon is like a basically a convention of roller derby roller skaters, derby. and there are mashups and there are scrimmages, and there are like seminars to learn about off the track shit. There are classes to learn about on the track shit and get mm -hmm. better. Um, All kinds of rule sets and everything. Yeah, and so it's in Vegas, and so there are parties pretty much every night. But one of the biggest parties is the black and blue ball. <laughs> now, at this particular year of RollerCon, this was before I learned that I myself have social anxiety, right? <laughs> I, I That's do. a good way to find out. <laughs> well, I didn't find out there, but I'm just oh. saying this was before oh, I okay. knew. Okay. So, but one of the things that I did know about myself was that, like, I had a better time at parties when there was something that I could focus on. Right. So it's like, if you invited me to a party, it was, like, more fun for me if there was, like, a game to play or something to watch or something specific that we were talking about. But just being like, yeah, just come hang out with these people. I'd be like, and I'm you want me to do what? <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> so I was excited about going to the black and blue ball because, like, you know, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of like a dress to impress situation. Whatever your definition of impress is. Yeah. Whether it's formal or whether it's wearing something as skimpy as possible or going in some form of cosplay, you know, just the theme is black and blue, you know? Mm -hmm. And yeah. so I think I had on like a, I had on some kind of lacy black bra, probably like some really short shorts. I don't know. I just, I just remember I had on like Fairly this lacy cool. black and blue bra with like rhinestones on it. Cute. And so the activity that I found to occupy myself that night was, <laughs> and keep in mind, I was drunk and high. And so I, I remember standing around and I heard somebody say that they were looking for somebody. And I was like, oh, I'll go find them. So I was basically spending the night taking shots with people and then going to look for people for other people. Because like this party was spread it's like over giant. the pool area of this hotel. And so, I, yeah, like I know it's crazy to imagine, but I'm like literally running around the pool, in the pool, everywhere. Just like, oh, so-and-so's looking for you. And like escorting them back to the people who are looking for them. Sounds weird, but it was fun for me, right? That is, that, that, that's, yeah. <laughs> Yes, I would have done so, that with you, yes. So anyway, I'm running around, you know, every now and then I would get stopped to like take a shot, take pictures, dance with people, right? So then I get stopped by this random guy who's like, I want to introduce you to somebody. And I'm like, okay, who is it? He's like, it's a surprise. So I'm like, okay. And so he brings me around to the side of the pool and it's Erin Jackson. And I knew who she was because I've seen her skate before. Like right. she, she had been skating longer than I had and like phenomenal skater. Right. And I just remember thinking to myself, like, had I known I'd be in a one-on-one -on -one meeting with Aaron Jackson, I wouldn't have got so drunk. <laughs> that was the first thought that went through my head. I was like, what do I say right now? The second thought that went through my head was, why is he introducing me to Aaron Jackson? <laughs> That's the second. Yeah, I was just like, and then the third thought was like, is he introducing me to her because we're both black? There's not a lot. <laughs> there's, not, there's black skaters in the derby community, but like not a ton, you know? It's not a ton. I was just like, fair. 
what the hell? So it's like, we kind of stood there for a second. I, I can't tell you what was said. I, I remember telling her, I remember telling her that like, I thought she was a great skater and I liked watching her. Yeah. And I remember saying like, hey, I think you're awesome, but I really would love to talk to you again when I'm sober. <laughs> I don't know if she's like naturally a quiet person, but I just know in that conversation, I hear she was that quiet. She yeah, is. I hear she is very quiet. And from is. my other interactions with her, because there have been other interactions, it does seem like she's very quiet, but she just like wasn't saying much and I didn't know what to say. And I didn't trust myself in the moment not to say something offensive and or stupid. Yeah. So I was just kind of like, Yo, you're awesome. Like, I hope we get to skate together. And later on, we did. In the um, Bitch Please versus Side Eye Bout, we were both on the Bitch Please team. I think there's a picture out there floating around there somewhere of all of us together. And I'm, like, standing, like, near her. Um, So, yeah, we I did get the opportunity to skate on a team with her. So, that was cool. Amazing. I've only seen her skate. I've seen her from, from the bleachers. Yeah, and and, and by her. with her, I mean she was jamming and I was blocking. And when you're a blocker and Aaron is your jammer, it makes your job feel real easy. <laughs> <laughs> if you've never, if you if you've never seen her play and you do like derby, like I recommend, you know, just go to YouTube, look up that? Jacksonville Roller Derby. Yeah, no, 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 no. Ah, uh, playoffs. 2018 Mm -hmm. at uh, Jacksonville, Montreal. Was that Jacksonville? It might have been Jacksonville. It might have been Atlanta. No, it was in Atlanta. I think it was Jacksonville. Aaron was skating. It was Jacksonville. It was Jacksonville and and Montreal. Great game. Yeah, there are some games that I felt like she skated against Texas. I was like, hmm. As a matter of fact, I remember that being my feedback for travel team one year was we don't have an answer for Aaron Jackson. I remember that specifically. Didn't we play them in Montreal? We played them at some point, I remember. We played because them it was Montreal. a game that I didn't play in, but I was watching. And I remember my feedback was we don't have an answer for Aaron Jackson. Well, the thing is, like, because she's a speed skater, too, like, usually a jammer, you have between seven to ten seconds that they skate around the track mm-hmm. for you to catch them, right? So you have and seven times it was like it's like five. five. <laughs> so usually you have seven to ten seconds to do offense for your own jammer, right? But with her, by the time you, you literally, reset, she already you back in the wall. <laughs> you can't, you don't have time. You literally don't have time. You just don't. You just don't. And it was just like it was funny. It's funny to oh, funny, I guess, if if it's not my team. It's funny to see teams that have not played her before get so fucking surprised by how fast she right gets because it's like track. when you see it because it's like you shocking think you to understand you're not but when you have it. to block it yeah it's like you're not used to it. it's happening yes. <laughs> yes. It's, just, it's like it's i knew she was fast but that yes. damn fast geez. It's, it's very entertaining <laughs> like, oh she, she's back bro like what <laughs> and that's why i didn't have an answer either i was like we don't have an answer for aaron jackson mm. what do you recommend i don't have any answers either <laughs> i'm just i'm just pointing out <laughs> That that's our Achilles heel right now <laughs> to figure out, figure something out. I don't know, maybe set up in front instead of setting up in back to give yourself half a second more time. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't you. know. I don't know. But that's, and, that's what you need to focus on. Yeah. Whew. Anywho, yeah. That's um, amazing. We're very proud of you. Come to the, come so, to the podcast. So proud of you. Come yes. to the podcast. You already know we'll have you on as a guest anytime. <laughs> anytime you want. 
You you can even call me and I'll be like, it's three in the morning. Why are you calling me? You'd be like, I want to be on the podcast right now. I'll be like, hold on. That's Let fine. me set up the mic. Give me one second. <laughs> you, you 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 let this bitch know. <laughs> okay. I'm trying to see if there's anything else that we're missing. I heard CD Lamb did an interview. <laughs> Let me just Google CD Lamb to see what comes up. CD Lamb is he is he hopping into the Kyler Murray drama? I hope not. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I, let's see. It says CD Lamb shines light on Kyler Murray's saga with Cardinals. Uh, concerns are swirling about Kyler Murray's future with the Arizona Cardinals. The two sides are reportedly gridlocked over Murray's contract situation, with the star quarterback hoping for more money after promising after a promising three seasons at the helm. Dallas Cowboys wide receiver CeeDee Lamb, who played with Murray at Oklahoma. I'm kind of mad that he's commenting on somebody else's situation. Me too. But has it, I like, was just about to say, I didn't want to interrupt your reading, but yes, that was that was going to be my first my Anyway, first this is all we got from CeeDee, um, who played with Murray at Oklahoma, recently revealed to NBC Sports that he has talked with Murray in the last few days. While he was scant on details about the situation, Lamb did agree with Murray's side of things. It is time for him to get paid. I agree, Lamb said. He's very dynamic at what he does. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets paid soon. Lamb, who was emphatic about how close he and Murray are, said that he was not aware of too many of the behind-the-scenes details. So, Shocker <laughs> that you're not aware of behind-the-scenes. I don't really have much to say about the Kyler Murray situation, except that I think it's hilarious that he <laughs> deleted all reference to the Arizona Cardinals <laughs> off of his Instagram. Like, like it never you know, happened. It just like, never happened. It's just such a relationship type move. Like, oh, yeah. It's, it's toxic. <laughs> She's like, oh, we, break, we broke up. Mm-mm. My bitch. <laughs> but the thing there. is, they're not broken up. He's still technically a know, part of the just, team. So I'm just like, like what, is, what is your goal here? Like, you what, didn't get me anything for Valentine's Day? <laughs> Okay, bitch. Mm-mm. I don't even play with you no more. Mm-mm. See how you feel when I take all your pictures. Yeah, like I don't even, I don't even understand. No, that's just wild. I mean, I, and so I have mixed feelings about this because I am, I'm, I'm happy in a way that CD spoke in, you know, in that way to like, I guess in a way bring light to it. Like if he wasn't getting paid enough to like mm-hmm. support him in that way. But also, it's like it's none of your fucking business. <laughs> so well, I mean, they did they did ask, you know. Yeah, but you can also say it's none of my business. I don't know. He could. He he doesn't strike me as a type. He hasn't developed that type of skin yet. I can <laughs> see him developing at some point because it's like I've seen. It's like if you watch CD Lamb's interviews, and maybe I watch them more closely than other people. No, but <laughs> leave me alone. But if you watch CD Lamb's interviews, you can see the difference between when he's talking about something that he's kind of annoyed by versus when they get on a topic that he's, he's actually excited, excited to about. talk about. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And so even whenever he's annoyed, though, he still answers the questions. He hasn't yeah. developed that kind of demeanor to be like, no. Yeah. And I don't know if he has it in him to ever develop that. Yeah. Or if it's like just like nice his, ex- yeah, if his, his inexperience being like, well, I got an answer, right? You know, because some people yeah. are like that. Yeah. But there is this other article uh, that says Micah Parsons, CeeDee Lamb were surprised by the hatred of the Cowboys. 
So this article written by Mike Florio. More hatred. says, two of the newest arrivals to the Dallas Cowboys made the rounds at the media center this week. I guess they were at uh, the Pro Bowl thing. Or no, 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 no. This is four days ago. So this would have been with the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. um, All the events that surround the Super Bowl. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, they said on Thursday, we visited with 2021 first round linebacker Micah Parsons and 2020 first round receiver CeeDee Lamb. Both said the same thing about playing for America's team. Plenty of people in America hate their team. I know, I knew, but I didn't really know, Parsons said, but I didn't know like Dallas was like Dallas. I didn't know we had that much hate. I didn't know all that came with it. Lamb said early in our chat with him that playing in Dallas has its pros and cons. So what are the cons? Everyone loves to see you lose, Lamb said. It's crazy. I've never seen anything like it. Hmm. Um, so I'm kind of surprised that they're surprised by that. Like if I ran the Cowboys, that would be part of the orientation. Like, <laughs> Listen, like hey, just so you know, hated. we don't have, there's no gray area. They either love us or hate us. Yes. There are a lot of people who love you. But also there are a lot of people who hate you. And it's not really clear why. And it doesn't really matter why. Just know they're going to be happy to see you lose. They're going to be happy when something bad happens to you. As a matter of fact, check out this footage of Stephen A. Smith. Like that, that is like, like enemy number one that I would introduce him to. Like, you know, like, you know, this person has a face. He has a platform. But there are a lot of people who jive with his sentiments. So, you know, this, this is what's out there, you know. And I'll play them the song. Have you heard the song? No. Stephen A. Smith. You haven't heard the song? No. Oh my God. I'm going to kind of kick myself for playing this song on here. Um, but you got to hear this song. I know. I'm going to hate it, I'm sure. Oh, it's funny. As a matter of fact, I'm going to pull it up on here. Oh, does he have a video, dude? Yes. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, put the video out. I was like, please don't tell me the one with the No, I mean, hat. but like, just look at all these videos that we have to scroll through <laughs> to even find. Like, they're literally just videos of Stephen A. Smith laughing at <laughs> the Dallas Cowboys. Hold on, let me go straight to YouTube. Oh, Lord. Cowboys song. This is such a dick sometimes. <laughs> Hold on, let me share. A mediocre team and big D. <laughs> That's what makes this funny. <laughs> Oh, I'm like, what is that? How about the Dallas? Oh, that's All right, here we go. A mediocre team and big D. <laughs> that's what makes this funny. How about the Cowboys? How about the Dallas? Just wait, 
So yeah, he literally plays that song every time the Cowboys lose. He always says like, "You just wait." He says I, that a lot. Yeah, you just wait to happen. You just wait. You just wait. It's gonna happen. You just wait. And I'm trying to see if they have the video of him with the fans. Yeah, so he did this on his on his show. Molly, 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 from my soul, oh. I was oh, so happy. Look it up. <laughs> in the world. <laughs> oh, oh, the greatest the fans in the world. Where's the name? last guy? Where's the dude that was crying at the age? Y'all deserve better. <laughs> Oh, show them all. Show, hold on, let's take a moment, y'all. Let's take a moment. Oh, let, let's watch this. There he is. There he is. <laughs> what a dick. <laughs> that is beautiful. I mean, that's how I want cowboy fans to look. Ooh, look at them. Whoa. Look at them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's beautiful. Is this strong. is beautiful. Let me tell you something right now. They deserve it, man. They deserve it. Why is he such a hater? I mean, at this point, I think it's just kind of a gimmick. It's just, yeah, it's just his his personality in the media. But like, that's a lot. Yeah, like you're talking about people's feelings and emotions. But if but if I ran the Cowboys, as soon as new players come in, I'd be like, this is. That is fair. That is fair to running the orientation day. That is fair. Like, listen, you're going to be made fun um, of at some point. Whatever. But yeah, I would like to hear more from CD about CD. I don't know yeah. why we haven't heard more from CD, CD. about CD. Man. But I mean, I think like he did an Instagram live video one time and I didn't see it. I just like, I got the notification later. It's like, I like picked up my phone to check something. And it was like, oh, like and it had his Instagram handle and it was like was live and I was just like Damn, I missed it. <laughs> I missed it. But even that was only one time. So Yeah, City wouldn't we need more of, of we you need on more the CD social. Lamb content. Yes. Yes. We still need more CD Lamb content. Yes. Like what are you doing in the off season? Are you still getting the CD Lamb ball? I know earlier today he was hanging out with the dog. <laughs> That's cute. It wasn't his Instagram See? story, but then he took it down. <laughs> Or either he took it down or I saw it late. I could have Yeah, because you need to pose more of that. Even if you're hanging out with a dog, you may be, you know, like buying a new candle because you like the scent. Bro, we, <laughs> we want to know about Yes, that. let's see what your candle shopping experience is like. I would love that. <laughs> you know, like I have some Yankee candles burning right now. What is your favorite uh, brand of candle? Yeah, what do you use? What is your smell? How was your Valentine's Day? What you Yo, doing for Mardi Gras? Beach chill cake. I was gonna say, but she was really like, she would like to know what you did for Valentine's Day, probably. I'm curious. Mar yeah, me too. But also, what you doing for Mardi Gras? You know, yeah. what's your plans for the off season? What you working on? Yeah. You know, just anything, whatever. How yeah. your abs looking? You know, just whatever. 
You pull up your shirt pretty much. What <laughs> we don't mind you getting fined. It's pretty much what she's saying. No, please don't get fined. <laughs> but I'm just saying he's posted pictures on his Instagram before, you know. Shirtless. Uh, yeah, shirtless. Yes. I'm just like, okay. Where are, are them pictures at? That's yeah. what we're saying. Yeah, he's also posted pictures of himself in some very nice outfits, you know. I, I like you those have, too. You have really nice style. I'll give you that. You, you, you. Yeah. You still eating the same bowls at Chipotle? Like, you figured right. out a new combo right. you like? Is there another restaurant that you like? You know? Hey. Want to take me? Like. <laughs> I was going to uh. say that we will try it, but also take her. Like, Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll try it, you know? That way I can let you know if it's a good idea. You know what I'm saying? I'll just go and sit at another table and just try the food, but take her. Yeah. Take her. You know, as friends, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you have anything else to add? I don't. I don't. Uh, neither do I. Uh, what do we have to look forward to on the next episode? I know, football season is over. I know. So I'm kind of sad. We're going to have to get into the NBA card now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, now's the time. And then, like, WNBA season will be here before we know it. Yeah. So... That too. Yeah, ready for some basketball, and and we can start learning more about fantasy football now. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that way we're ready when the season starts. You know. Yeah, yeah. I so, will, oh, and and sometime this year, I believe, is the World Cup. The no, apparently World it's next year. Oh God! Because I saw that they're having the trials for the World Cup this summer. Dang it! Like to see who's gonna be on the team. Why is it? Why is it next year? Is because. Maybe something happened with the timing because of COVID. Maybe. Dang it. Oh. I'm sorry. Yeah, I know. I'm <laughs> sad. I just, that's one of my favorite. But events. there will still be plenty of soccer. We just might have to look a little bit harder for it since it's the World Cup. Yeah. Yeah. I want to go to an Austin FC game if it's like super cheap tickets. I just want to, I, I hear the crowd is really nice and it's like, it's a good vibe, so I want to go check it out because I know the soccer sucks because I've seen them on TV and I know they just... Let's they do it. We're going to go to some MLS yeah. games. We're going to learn more about fantasy yeah. football. So if you're a bitch who loves sports and you want to learn more about fantasy football, keep listening. Yes. Whatever we learn, we we're going to bring teach. it to you. Yes. <laughs> yes. So just be ready. Yes. Be ready. Yes. And then, like, if there's anything that y'all want to see us do, cover, just, like, Shout Let us, us out. Hit us mm-hmm. up in the DMs. Hit us up via email. Send us a voice message through our website. Like, yeah, we love talking to you guys. We love the feedback. It's where yeah. a lot of our good ideas have come from. Yes. And then it's like, if you have the hookup on an event that you want us to go to, like, if you're like, yeah, come out to this game or, you know. Please send us, send us yeah, the come info. out to this practice. If we can make it, we'll definitely, we'll definitely do it. Exactly. And we'll see y'all at South by Southwest. Speaking of, hey. we got some shit to do with that. So we should probably sign off now so we have enough time. All right. So with that being said, I'm Bitch 2. I'm Bitch 1. And we out. Bye.